0: Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK, podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with
1: BK. Bellinger rips a line drag to the right field corner base hit. That'll bring home two. He holds on with a single, and the Dodgers lead 3-1. Bellinger hits one way up there. Williams going back at the wall. Goodbye! Grand slam. Game busted wide open. Okay, so that's not how it was supposed to go last night. With Alex Ferrario, who's filling in for Danny Mac this morning. I'm Brandon Kylie. It is the Danny Mac Show with BK. Guys, what happened to Carlos Martinez? That was not the good Carlos that we were supposed to be expecting at this point.
0: That was the uh, polar opposite of what the Cardinals needed. You know what I think? Tinfoil, really, really funny. Maybe all those suited guys that were in the hold in, on. Are we just gonna pull
1: past what just happened?
2: Did, did you have you a stroke? Foil in a matter. Of, uh,
0: <laughs> I, I just threw like
1: tinfoil really fast into that. And okay. it just didn't work. Alex is still on the mend. We should throw that out there. He's got a sinus lot of medication. In,
0: sinus infections are no joke. Allergy season is in full effect. No, maybe the Carlos Martinez effect is the fact that those suited guys weren't sitting behind home plate like they were in Game Two against the Dodgers, right? The Italian fear factor. Okay, no, Carlos was just bad, plain and simple. Frankly, I'm amazed that part of me was a little surprised that they pulled him out because, like, at that point, the game's over. Like, you've given up 10 runs, and you're two-thirds of the way through. And you were, what, 30-something pitches, I think, he threw? Like, I know you're not getting out of that inning without a lot more damage done. But if I'm Mike Schilt, I'm thinking about maybe just, like, getting him through that inning, trying to just mentally reset... And then throwing him in back out there, because at least you
1: get three innings out of Carlos. So you don't have to butcher your bullpen. I don't think they had a choice. I think they tried doing what you're saying and they left him out there. They left him out there. And eventually you just, you you didn't have a choice. You were going to get through the inning with Carlos staying out there on the mound. He threw basically 40 pitches in the inning. Half of them or even less than half of them were strikes walked four guys allowed six hits ended up with 10 earned runs uh for him it's one of the worst starts that we've ever seen in the history of cardinals baseball N- not opinion like liter- statistically one of the worst starts in the history of this organization and in the history of baseball the only positive that came out of last night's game really the only one is that the bullpen found a way to get through so you didn't have to use Cabrera. You didn't have to use Gallegos, Reyes. Those guys are all healthy, rested, ready to go tonight if the Cardinals need them. That's the only thing that came from last night's game that was a positive.
0: Yeah, I I mean it's really hard to sit here and try and find anything other than that. I mean we were talking in the office. This was kind of the road trip from hell. Right? Like you lose Jack Flaherty for a significant amount of time. Your bullpen gets kind of obliterated in this road trip because of how much they had to be used. Your offense kind of went silent. But yeah, I mean, the fact that you were able to walk away from that and only use four other pitchers, and I know that sounds crazy to say only use four other pitchers, but you stayed away from your big three. That was a
1: win, man. Getting yeah. through that game, only having to use four guys out of your pen and using those specific four guys. Oh, Jake Woodford. are good. Hey, Jake Woodford was actually pretty darn good for what fine. they needed. He's been fine basically since his first appearance this year. Perfectly fine. Yeah. And that that's something they really needed last night. Seth Elledge gave them a that solid great. two innings. Fernandez is a guy that is absolutely worth seeing more of. Every time that we see him now, he seems to be improving. So he was another one that deserves a lot of credit. We should also stay say at that point in time, the Dodgers were up by so much that it didn't really matter what they were doing offensively. They were coming up to the plate and just hacking. So
0: So let me ask you guys both this then, because after watching that performance and then after going through what Carlos Martinez's season has been, and I mean, we all can agree he's been impressive this season Mm -hmm. for the Cardinals. He's over-exceeded the expectations we thought of him. Does that shake your confidence at all moving forward with him?
2: I don't think so. Not yet. I I think if he has another bad outing, then it will. The thing for me is it's every now and then you're going to have one of those blow up starts. Grant, this one blew up and then blew up again Mm -hmm. and again, but I'm not too shaken from Carlos Martinez. I am a little concerned, the fact of the matter, that he just didn't come out ready to go. And I think Jim Edmonds talked about it on the broadcast last night. He's like, you know, we didn't really see that Carlos Martinez didn't amp it up until it was too late. And that that's a little concerning for me. But, no, I, I'm interested to see if he comes back and starts his next time out. I think he'll be fine. I just think it was a blow up. And an interesting thought from Edmonds, too, last night, this was almost like a bullpen game for him. Do you consider making him your starter on Saturday?
1: No. No.
2: Okay. I, keep, I I didn't bring it up. <laughs> it was, um, was
1: quick. I would I would keep him on his normal rest. He threw yeah. 40 pitches, and they were high stress pitches because he was trying to get out of the the appearance. I would not do anything that would jeopardize him in any way. You've already had so many injuries; you cannot risk having another one. He just didn't have it last night. And so, to answer your question directly, Alex, am I worried about him now, as opposed to what I was previously? No, I think I'm at the exact same place. I don't think Carlos Martinez is back to elite Carlos form. I never thought that. He doesn't have the strikeout stuff that he once did. He's pitching to much more contact, which works for this team. It's fine. Um, but it does mean that he is a solid, above average number three or four starter. Yeah, That's what they're expecting out of him. And this Cardinals team, when Jack Flaherty's healthy, big if, They have a number one, and then they've got a lot of guys that I trust as, like, low-end number threes, high-end number fours. They don't really have that number two guy right now, and I was hopeful that maybe Carlos could become that, maybe KK could become that, Wayno. You had guys that you were wishing on a prayer— Right now, they just don't have anybody that's actually taken that spot. Carlos is an interesting one for
0: me, too, because, and I know it's not all about the errors with Carlos, but last night, I mean, it was somewhat of it. I mean, they had two errors in that first inning, and I mean, that's two different opportunities. Yeah.
1: The strike zone stunk for him last
0: night. Yeah, I mean, you could see how upset he was with the umpire on that final walk before he was taken out. And I mean, it, you know, John Gant is the one who gets all of the gold glove defense behind him. And it seems that Jack Flaherty and Adam Wainwright can find the their way support. through. Yeah, they get the run support. But then it's Carlos. Carlos is the one that he's not going to get the run support, but he's also not going to get the gold glove defense behind him. You're going to have to hope for just Carlos running away with it. And that's why last night it was such for me where it's like, yeah, this is ugly, but I'm not concerned about it with Carlos because he's kind of a, an up and down roller coaster type of pitcher. You're going to get three games where he gives up 10 total
1: runs and then one game where he gives up 10 runs. And that's the roller coaster, right? This this is what we've come to know about Carlos Martinez. And if you can get those first 10 games where you feel really good about the way that he's performing, you'll live with what we saw last night. Here's Mike Schilt talking about what he saw from his starter.
0: A lot of close misses, you know, um, jump out one in the league, Goldie Homer. They're off to a good start, you know. Betts skews one off the end, hits the foul chalk, and you know, rest just wasn't able to command his pitches like he's like he's used to. You know, balls found some holes, obviously. Some balls hit hard, and um, just wasn't able to get in any kind of rhythm. wasn't able to stop the damage. More um, balls and strikes. Um, a lot of some close misses. Um, just wasn't his night.
1: I think the other thing that needs to be said: this was the Dodgers. It wasn't like this happened against the pirates who are masquerading as a major league team. Mm -hmm. This was the Dodgers and not just the Dodgers of three weeks ago where they were beaten and bruised. This was Mookie Betts and Muncy and Turner and Bellinger and Taylor and Lux. This is getting very close to their regular lineup. They're still without Corey Seager, but otherwise you're basically watching what was the team that we thought was going to win 115 plus games this year. So going up against that lineup, and having Bellinger be the guy that really did most of the damage in that first inning that does, at least for me, I don't know if for you guys that also takes off a little bit of the sting from that one.
0: Yeah. But on the other hand, like these are the teams you're competing with. Sure. Like we could sit here all day and talk about an unbelievable performance against the pirates or the reds or the diamondbacks. But when you don't win a series against the white Sox and when you don't win a series against the Dodgers, like and you don't win a series against the Cubs, those are the teams that you're
1: competing with. 100% fair. What I'm saying is specifically for Carlos last night and that start against them. If that had happened against one of the worst teams in baseball, I would be even more concerned because then it's like, you got 4A players that are crushing the baseball yeah. against. This was Cody Bellinger, a former MVP, and Mookie Betts and Max Muncie, and Justin Tur- Like, these are guys that are going to do some damage against a lot of teams across baseball this year. And Cody Bellinger is officially back. That's what we oh, saw he last night. Yeah, that, that's what that was. It was his coming out party for the first time this year. He looked truly healthy. And so I, I think you're going to see this more often. I think there are other teams that are also going to run into the buzzsaw. That is the 2021 LA Dodgers. It's not just going to be Carlos Martinez.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. It doesn't hurt me as much because it was the Dodgers. And because you look at some of and Schilt mentioned it there in that cut. You know, some of it was some bad breaks, like bookie bets. That leadoff double, I think, was off the end of the bat, hits that chalk, as Shilt mentioned. So some of it's bad breaks, and when you get those bad breaks against a deep lineup like the Dodgers, it becomes that tougher. And as we mentioned earlier, the strike zone was squeezed. So, yeah, if it was the Pirates, I would understand that it would be more concerning. The Dodgers, I'm not too concerned.
1: The other thing that needs to be discussed today... I was on the Andrew Kisner should be Carlos Martinez's personal catcher. You bought into T-Bone's theory. I liked it. I didn't bring that up. Yeah, you did. Carlos Martinez with Kisner had been very good previously. And then last night happened. And I I think that there are going to be people that jump to conclusions that now Kisner should not be Carlos Martinez's personal catcher. I'm not on that bandwagon, boys. Why'd you look at me when you said that? I am prepared to stay on board. I think Kisner deserves more opportunities, not only because he was good in Yachty or Molina's absence, but also to keep Yadi's, to keep him upright and healthy all season long. I don't want to see Yadi get into the playoffs on his last legs. When they get into the playoffs, they're going to need him both offensively and behind the dish. So... I would keep Carlos Martinez working with Andrew Kisner moving forward. I got no issues with that.
0: No, I mean, I don't either. But the only thing is, like, I feel like Yachty in that situation would have been able to cool down Carlos Martinez. And I think that's where the inexperience from Kisner comes into play there. Like, I'm with you guys. I I think Kisner does an awesome job when he's out there. And especially because Carlos kind of runs his own game, whereas Yachty's out there and Yachty's telling him what to do. But you could tell after those first few runs came up, and especially the errors, that first error that happened against Carlos, I forget who it was, but it scored the first two runs of the game. You could tell that Carlos started to get the Jack Flaherty frustration on the mound. That's where I think Yachty comes into play, where... It was a Kisner error, actually. Yeah, <laughs> that's where it comes in. Yeah, see, this is on YouTube. t That's no, where I mean. it comes in, though, that, that Yachty can cool down Carlos, whereas Kisner, I think... It's a matter of like, okay, let's just go back at it. And I don't think that works well with Carlos. That
1: first inning was so weird. That like, Sosa throw was weird. That's the one that really, when, when that happened, I was like, oh, going to be, be one of those night. games, huh? Yeah. <laughs> going to be one of those nights. And I
0: see what Danny Mac was saying on the broadcast. Like, because you could tell once they showed the replay, he was doing exactly that. He's throwing the third. But then he realized that he's going home and then like it, and gets it was a bad on. play by Bellinger. Yeah,
1: like, it, w- it was a terrible base. I don't know if it was on Bellinger there or if it was. I think it was Taylor who was running behind him. Yeah, I don't I don't know who that was on, but one of them clearly overran where they were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so it ended up just being kind of one of those fluky plays where Edmundo Sosa is caught in no man's land. He's trying to make what would have been the right play by throwing there and then he- tries throwing it to home as a little bit of an overcorrection can't get it there it it was just it was all over the place yep. and it was it was bad baseball man it's not fun to watch i am curious how long did you guys stick with it because that's oh, what i was there been, the whole time were you i watched the whole game i totally understand if you're 65780 is the air comfort service text line I would love to hear from our listeners how long they stuck with that game last night.
0: Being somebody who has been through a lot of nine o'clock starts on the hockey side these last couple of months. You were gone. I was gone in about the third inning. By totally the third fair. inning and Jake Woodford's in and Matt Carpenter's playing first and Ron Doan's playing third, I'm thinking, okay, they've thrown in the towel. I think I'm gonna throw okay, in the I, towel. I
2: guess I should be fair. I, I had the game on for the whole nine innings. I probably paid so why close you attention. Well it was on. <laughs> I paid close attention for about you were drinking the while first you were inning. Okay. I was drinking while I was watching.
1: I, it made it was, feel a little <laughs> I was putting together IKEA furniture last <laughs> night. <laughs> so you yes. had to be watching. So the uh, the game was on in the background, and it was my only comedic relief because me and that piece of furniture went at it last night. See, comedic night.
0: relief, I'd say that's a dangerous thing to be doing because you're so frustrated with what's going on in the game, and then IKEA steps into play. That's where a hammer comes out.
1: Oh, see, oh, the, that's fair. The, there were hammers and screwdrivers, and it... It drink. Was, it was not a yes. Oh yes. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. The drinks came out. That was the first thing that was before the game ever started with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks. And I'm Brandon Kylie. Danny Mack will be in with us again tomorrow. Today, we've got Alex Ferrario filling in for Danny Mac coming up in about 15 minutes or so. We will get to uh potentially the most start, important start of the season for Adam Wainwright. But coming up next, How do we view this road trip for the Cardinals? You had three against the White Sox, three at L.A. Those are tough series. They also took three out of four against Arizona. How do we view this 10-game road trip? We'll tell you next on 101 ESPN. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. It is the Danny Mac Show on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac out today. Should be back again tomorrow. So, how do you view this Cardinals 10 game road trip? You had three at the White Sox. They lost two of three in that series. Four against Arizona. You took three of four, and then the one that you did lose was basically your a lineup out there. And then three against LA in LA. You lose two of three against the Dodgers, guys. It's five and five on the road trip, but you lost the two series that really mattered for this team, the two measuring stick series, if you will, how do you view this? How do you view what we just watched over the last 10 games from the cards? For me,
0: I, I, you finished five and five, a 500 road trip. And Danny Mac said it on the broadcast. And I've heard Mike Schultz say it before Mike Bethany, when he was the manager, the goal is to end a road trip 500 or better. you do that. That's a successful road trip. And you come home and you kill it. That's what the goal is. And why I'm okay with the road trip is none of those games that you lost against the White Sox and Dodgers, they weren't, like, winnable games, like, you know, for, like you lose it in the ninth inning and it was a bad mishap by the manager or something like that. I mean, look at last night's game. Last night's game was over in the first yeah. inning. The first game against the Dodgers was over pretty much late into that one by about the fifth or sixth inning.
2: I'd argue you could have won that one. The bullpen imploded again. Yeah, but but it's
0: it's it's not uncharacteristic of that bullpen blowing up like you knew that was going to happen at some point. 14
1: pitch at bat and that sometimes the other team gets you.
0: Yeah, and there's nothing and even the White Sox series. I mean, the White Sox series against Lance Lynn, like maybe that first one was winnable, but it was against Lance Lynn who we all know is very strong. So for me, I'm okay with the road trip because you go 500 and you didn't lose games that you should have won in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think it was a successful road trip 5 and 5. The, the disappointing part, yeah, is losing both those series against teams that are potential World Series caliber teams and the White Sox and the Dodgers. But if you play 500 baseball on the road, you're going to be fine throughout the year as long as you take care of business at home. And to be fair, the part for me that's hard to kind of judge it is you weren't completely healthy. You lose Bader in, what, the second or third game in that White Sox series. And that's a big difference maker because he affects your outfield defense, even though I don't think the outfield defense was bad in this series. And then also, you lost Jack Flaherty, too. And we're going to see the lasting effects of that in that Dodger series. But I'm okay with going 5-5. Five and five. I would like to see this team perform better against teams that are above 500 because they've struggled at that this year. But 5-5 five and five on this road trip, I'll take it.
1: I'm with you guys. That, that's kind of how I viewed it as well is, listen, this team's beat up right now. They don't have all of their best players. And to be able to take 5 out of 10 on the road, especially when <laughs> – what was it? Six of the 10 games were against really quality opponents, legit World Series contenders. Yeah, I'll take that every time. Right now, so we did our 20 most important Cardinals coming into the 2021 season, right? We ranked who are the 20 most important players for this team to have success. Currently, if you're looking at today's roster, the players that are out today ranked number one, number three, number seven, number 13, and number 16 on our 20 most important players list. That's a third of the top 15 basically on our list are not currently on the active roster. Yeah, They're winning games despite that. I got to give a little bit of credit where it's due. Being able to tread water and stay slightly above 500 while those guys are on the injured list, that's worthy of a little bit of praise. As much as last night stunk, and that is as bad a game as you will hopefully see this team play all year. That was the outlier. The rest of the road trip really did not go all that poorly. I thought it was, all things considered, perfectly acceptable. I'd give them like a C for what they did on the road.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it, it falls into the same category as what this season was for the Blues, right? Like, that's a lot of injuries to go through for you to overcome that. And to stay at 500 is... Plainly impressive against this type of talent. Like to still pull out a victory, excuse me, pull out a victory against the White Sox. Guys, there's so much medicine going on in me right now. It's not even funny. (laughs) To pull out that victory against the White Sox and then to pull out that victory. The one against the Dodgers was impressive for me more than the White Sox one because that is a legit World Series contender. And you did that against that type of pitching and found a way to eliminate that type of offense. And
1: what felt like a playoff game? Yes. That's the other thing is like last night, just. You know how there's the old saying, you're going to win 60, you're going to lose 60, and it's about what you do with the other 42? I yeah. heard that this year. That that was one of those 42 that you had to find a way to win. And last night, frankly, was one of those 60 that you were going to lose. You were just never going to win that game. There was never a chance from the moment that they said play ball, they never had an opportunity to win that one. So that's that's kind of how I felt about it. I am curious, guys. 65780 is the your comfort service text line. I think this is an interesting point from the 618. Guys, this may sound crazy, but losing to the Dodgers and to the White Sox could actually help because it reminds management that this team has not arrived and it still needs some work to be done. I think there's something to that. I think John Mozalock, Michael Gersh, the front office as a whole, seeing what they did over this 10-game road trip both gives them plenty of confidence that the team is the, it's a quality team. This, this is a good team that we're watching here in St. Louis this year. And also, they've got some real holes. This bullpen is a problem right now for the Cardinals. The rotation is running on fumes, and it got even worse last night when Carlos Martinez pitched the way he did. You look at the guys that they're throwing out there on a night-in, night-out basis. Guys, God bless Tyler Webb, and he was in our initial uh, circle of trust this year. He just doesn't have it. You don't
0: speak of the circle of trust.
1: He just doesn't have it right now. I mean, what more do we need to see out of him to suggest to us that he deserves more opportunity? You know that conversation we had last week of we're
0: done with these pitchers and you need to start looking on the outside for help. And I made the argument that there are some guys I still don't know about. Tyler Webb doesn't fall into that category. We know what Tyler Webb has been. You see flashes of excellence, but more times than not, it's an average pitcher for you on the left side. And right now you have one you have one dependable pitcher from the left side, and that's Tennyson Cabrera. Other than that, Andrew Miller—he's well, still out. We'll T- see. Tyler Webb—I I- don't—I don't trust him. Like he comes in when things are pretty much blown up. So you—you you have way too many guys that come in when the game is out of hand and you can't come back.
1: Then you do guys who come in and can can shut things down and keep this a one or two run game. I hope something's wrong with him. And that's not me wishing ill on somebody, but I hope that there's an injury that we don't know about because on Webb then? yeah, because at least then that would explain why he's been struggling the way he has. Randy Carricker tweeted this out last night after the game. It's a great stat. He allowed three runs in one inning last night. Tyler Webb did. He has now allowed at least one run in 10 of his last 13 appearances as a reliever. Think about that guys. 10 of his last 13 appearances, he has allowed at least one earned run. In that time, he's allowed 18 runs in 10 innings, and that's good for a 16.2 ERA. In his last 10 appearances, it's like 15% of what a typical workload is for a major league reliever. Yeah, It's just, if there's not an injury here, if there is nothing more than what meets the eye, The Cardinals, whenever Andrew Miller is available, he's making it very easy for them to make their decision. Tyler Webb's got to be the one that ends up no longer on this roster. And I hate saying that because he had really good years for this team. He was a quality reliever for the Cardinals for three years or so. But right now, he just he can't get the job done for whatever reason.
2: He can't get the job done, and the thing that kills him is the three-batter minimum because he is really good against left-handed batters historically in his career. And looking at him against right-handed batters, they're hitting 260 on him, and then you look against lefties, they're hitting below 200 in his career. Wow. So I, I think the three-batter minimum has really killed Webb, and that's the, that's the problem with it. And I'm, I'm with you, BK. I hope there's an injury that we don't know about. Maybe there's a toe blister that puts him on the aisle oh, like it did with Andrew okay, Miller. That's enough.
1: That's enough. It's toe been toe like a month for Miller, too. That must have been a that's hell a, of a blister, hey, man.
0: Sometimes those blisters just kind of move on to the next toe, and then it's like taking over your entire foot. By the way, this
1: year against lefties, Tyler Webb has allowed an 890 OPS. Okay, oh, That's a good point, T-Bone. Well, I was, I was saying
2: on his career, I didn't look <laughs> at this year's
1: numbers, even though I know he's been they, bad. <laughs> they have a 460 on base percentage. They like Trout against Tyler Whoa. Webb. That's absurd. All right, it's time for... Can we give Tyler Webb to, like,
0: somebody in the division so that we can hit up on that person? The Cubs, they could use it. they could, yeah, use, they could <laughs> use a Tyler Webb right now. Their bullpen's been way too good. You know what the scary part is? And we are all on the same train of John Mazzalik doesn't need to spend money on on free agent bullpen pitchers. But who do you have in the system right now that you can sit here and say, well, they're coming up and they're ready to take it over? Because this bullpen
1: right now, other than three guys who are in our circle of trust... It may need an overhaul. This is this was one of my concerns coming into the season. When we talked so much about the Cardinals pitching depth, and they do have quite a bit of it, there's a gap. It's, it's almost like whenever we talked about Kurt Warner's career, you know how they talk, called it the donut hole in the middle of it because he was great at the beginning with the Rams. He was fantastic at the end with the Cardinals, but then there was that hole in the middle where he was kind of the starter, backup, and Eli Manning's what early years in What happens when you play with York. the Giants? Exactly. Black hole. That's kind of how I feel right now about the Cardinals pitching depth. They've got pretty good guys on the back end where it's like, okay, you, you trust Genesis Cabrera, Giovanni Gallegos, Alex Reyes. Those guys have been around for a few years. They're, they're uh, dependable. You've got some guys that are going to be coming either next year or the year after Thompson, Liberator, some guys in the lower levels that appear to be coming on their way up, but there's nothing at the triple a level right now. Maybe other than your guy, Tommy Parsons, Tanner, who is like, yeah, that, That guy could make some sense. Maybe he could ride that I-55 corridor that we talk so much about. That guy doesn't really exist this year. They don't have a Tyler Webb of three years ago. Who is that guy? Who's the Tyler Lyons that can come up and down that helps them as kind of the swing guy from the bullpen? Hell, the Ponce that they used to have whenever he first started coming up. They don't have that guy There's always guys that surprise you that you didn't know that you had in the minors right
0: like John Brevy is a perfect example for the Cardinals of what he had in the last couple of years and I haven't even looked to see he's not pitching up for the Giants yet uh still dealing with that injury so um but you know John Brevy is one Jordan Hicks was a guy that just came out of nowhere and I know a lot of people have talked about him but you're at the point where if you're the Cardinals you have to look at guys who are starters for you and find out, like, hey, we might need to convert you to bullpen pitchers.
1: And that's the hard part now because... Rebia, by the way, has started a couple of games on a AAA. Okay, so he's, so he's making his way back, back a right of now. Games,
0: yeah. But you might have to look at a Johan Oviedo. You might have to look at a Zach Thompson. You might have to look at some of these other starting pitchers and say, okay, well, maybe you're a bullpen pitcher for us this year. But the problem is your starting rotation is so depleted with injuries that you can't do that. Like, look, you need Johan Oviedo now as your fifth starter. You might need Zach Thompson to be one of your rotation pitchers at some point this season. So this is and one I of I don't know if he's ready. No, I don't think he is either. I this, think he had a good outing last night, did, which is positive. This is one of those situations, though, that if you're John Moselock and Michael Gersh, as much as you hate spending money or, or trading for bullpen pitchers and you want to do that from within, you're going to have to start doing that at some point because you're in trouble right now. Either
1: you have to... See, they have to look at this one of two ways, in my opinion. You, you either need to go out there and acquire a reliever, maybe even two. It, that that underbelly of the bullpen right now, the bridge from the fifth or sixth inning to your, your big three, that's where they've been getting into trouble. You look back at even this 10-game road trip. That's where the issues took place. It was the fifth and sixth inning, really, where you started to run into some trouble. And you're going to need guys that can fill that gap for you in the postseason. Somebody that makes a lot of sense there continue to say his name is John Gant. John Gant would be fantastic in that role. He'd be great, (laughs) but they really need him right now in their rotation. You can't move him unless you go out there and acquire a legit number two starter. That's where this depth issue that we're talking about. I think the Cardinals believed at some point they would be able to move whether it be Carlos or John Gant, at least one, maybe even both of those guys to the bullpen because their starters would get healthy and they haven't had that experience yet. They, they have not at any point this year had a healthy rotation.
0: And I don't think you can do that even when guys are healthy because he's just been one of your better pitchers. Maybe I, it's KK then. I, that's what I think you have to experiment from worst to best right now. Like I think KK is the first one that I'm going to try out and see how he does out of the bullpen. Give him one inning where he goes through a couple of guys, maybe give him two innings to see how he gets through one time through the order. And then. As much as I hate to say it, you might be looking to Carlos to find out what he can do. And when Miles Michaelis comes back, maybe I look at
1: Miles Michaelis as a bullpen pitcher for you rather than a starter. They might have to try that because it's going to take him a while to build up to a legit starter workload. He might have to come back for this year as a bullpen arm. And then next year you work yeah. him back into being a starter. Basically
2: do what Carlos did in what, 2019 when yeah, exactly. he came back, That's go what to I'm the thinking. pen, and then build up in the next mm-hmm. season.
1: I think that might be their best option be. with him. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Danny Mac out today. We're filling in for him on the Danny Mac show. He should be back tomorrow with us. Coming up next, this very well may be Adam Wainwright's most important start of the season. We'll talk about it on 101 ESPN. This is the Danny Mac show with BK. The podcast powered by I promise. Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks. And I'm Brandon Kiley filling in on the Danny Mac show. Danny Mac likely to be back tomorrow with us. So Adam Wainwright is getting the start for the Cardinals tonight. It's a seven 15 first pitch between the cards and the reds. They are back home finally after a 10 game road trip. And this is a huge, huge, huge start for Adam Wainwright boys. He needs to go out there and give them some innings. Remember last year when they had just come out of the quarantine and Adam Wainwright Got the big start. I think it was on a Saturday night, if I'm not mistaken. It was a doubleheader, and he ended up going the complete seven innings and saved the bullpen because they they were fried, absolutely fried. That's the kind of performance they need out of him tonight. They don't need a complete game, but as close as he can get to that, even if it means wearing four or five runs, I'm not even as worried about the, the earned runs allowed. It's about how many pitches he's able to throw and how long he's how deep he's able to get into this game. I think they need seven out of out of uh, Adam Wainwright tonight. Oh, I was going to go six. Well, I think but... they need eight. <laughs> I mean, I really think they need eight.
0: The good news is he's back home. And we've talked so much That's about big. the road home splits with Adam Wainwright. But look, his last four starts at home, three of those four, he made it to the ninth inning. Every one of them. And That's one, crazy. he closed it out. So, I mean, and the teams he did it against. I mean, he did it against the Cubs, went eight innings in that loss. He did it against the Rockies. And he did it against the Phillies. The only one he didn't do it against was the New York Mets. So, like, being back home, perfect scenario. And, like, I hope that Adam Wainwright has the same conversation with Mike Maddox as the one that you're attributing to to last season. Like, guys, I don't care if my arm falls off. Don't pull me out of this ballgame. The fact that you're going against the Cincinnati Reds, though, that's a little concerning because we all know what that offense can do.
1: Have you guys seen what Nick Castellanos is still doing? He's still hitting and talking ish about the Cardinals. He looks like the best hitter in baseball this year. I don't understand it. It, It's like so. I'm. I want to be very clear on the front end here. I'm not accusing Nick Castellanos of cheating, but it's it's like some of those guys that you see around the league that are just throwing filth now that two years ago stunk, and then you look at the spin rates and it's like, oh, Uh, Trevor Bauer. I I think I know what's going on there. Sorry. Now, Nick Castellanos has forever been a quality hitter in the big league, so it is not to the same degree. He's hitting 360. 360, we're a third of the way through the season. He has an OPS over 1,000 and leads the league in total bases. He's not just been good this year. He's been maybe the best hitter in the sport. It's crazy, and that's that's part of what's leading the Reds to any of their success because, I don't have a whole lot else going on for him right now.
0: This is a big one for me too, because like not only Adam Wainwright savoring this bullpen, but you got to start getting back on the right track. Like you don't want this trend to continue of the offense kind of underperforming and guys getting lit up and falling deeper into this NL central because the Cubs are starting to turn it on. The Reds are starting to turn it back on the Milwaukee Brewers like you got three legitimate teams that are overpowering you in this NL central. So you got to find a way to put things back on the right clock. And I think that starts with Adam Wainwright.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. It's, I'm not too concerned going forward. Just now you look at the stretch with the lack of your pitching with Flaherty out. This is a tough stretch still on your schedule because you've got the reds. Now you've got the Indians coming to town here shortly. And then you've also got another stretch a Braves. You got the Braves coming too. So, this is a tough stretch, and I w- I'm with you. The Reds, probably the weakest team in this upcoming stretch. So to me, you need to try and take three or four against them, and I know that's a tough thing to ask, especially not knowing your starter on Saturday and your bullpen is fried right now. That's why I think it's important to see Wayno. I think six innings would be enough tonight just because I think you mentioned it earlier, BK. You've got your big three ready yeah, to go tonight. And that, Helmsley why... as well should
1: probably be available. Okay, I'll stick
2: with my big three and get six innings no <laughs> hey, matter what from Waino. <laughs>
1: Touche. Uh, Fair enough. The Cardinals are entering a really interesting stretch for them because they've got the Reds for the next four, and then Cleveland, who stinks this year. I mean, just not good at all. Chicago, after that, that's going to be a huge series for the NL Central. And you got Miami and Atlanta. After that, things really open up on the second half of this month. Detroit, Pittsburgh, Arizona, Colorado. If you can get through these next, what is that, I guess, uh, 17, 18 games with around a 500 record in those, it very well may mean your third place at the end of this. Like you, you might end up behind both the Cubs and the Brewers in the division at the end of probably close to the end of the month of June, but that sets you up for when you're getting healthy to be able to go on a little bit of run starting in July. This is a long season. They've got time to be able to make up some ground, They've just they need to stay right above water. They, yeah. They've got to tread water over these next 10, 15 games because if they can do that, I think they're good enough. They've got the depth. They've got health coming back for them to where they're going to be able to make a run later on.
0: I think right now you have to look at this as you got to find a way to win at least three of these next. their five or four series, correct? Mm-hmm. You got this one, Cincinnati. Then the Cubs are then Cleveland, Cubs. And then you wrap up. So you got five series. I think you need to win three of those five. I I really do. I think you need to to keep your head above water and keep yourself in a position where you can still compete in this NL Central. You got to win three of those five. Let's let's kind of slim
1: this down a little bit. It's the Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Miami series. Those those that's where you need to do a little bit at home too. Yeah, that that's where you need to be able to do your damage. If you can if you can win those three series, you got to at least split with. Uh, Cincinnati and Cleveland, you probably want to win. This is six games between those two. You want to win four of the six. I don't care how it's split up, you could win, you could sweep this four-game set against Cincinnati and then lose two against Cleveland. you got to win four out of six there, and then probably two out of three against Miami. Yeah. And then that will give you a little bit of leeway with what happens against Chicago and Atlanta because those are the quality opponents that you're going to see. And eventually, you got to start winning those games, but I'm not going to judge them as much on those until this team is fully healthy.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. That seems like a good formula to have, take four of those six. I'm curious your guys' thoughts on this. With this set of these five series that are coming up, and we're talking about the importance of these trying to stay above water, who do you think there's more pressure on? The starters, the offense, or the bullpen?
0: Right now, I would say the offense. Yeah. I mean, they got to give these guys run support. I mean, Goldschmidt did an incredible job giving the Cardinals at least one run, but look at that first inning. You missed out on an opportunity. You missed out on an opportunity to score two or three runs against Walker Bueller. That's That's a problem right there. So I think you have to put more pressure on the offense and guys to start to perform for their starters and relievers so that they can
1: stay in the game longer. I would go the offense as well. I, I think you need, especially guys like Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, they've got to be better. I mean, the last 10 games, this road trip that we were talking about, yeah. neither of them did very much. Prior to last night, Paul Goldschmidt had not really done anything in terms of extra base hits in like his last 20 games. I think Dan mentioned it on the game last night his his last home run was sometime in may It'd been like six weeks since yeah. his last home run um or excuse me yeah about four weeks since his last home run and then nolan arenado over this 10 game road trip had a batting average around 200 you're not going to win very many games when those guys are hitting like that this cardinals team is set up where they have to do the damage in the middle of the order so for me most of the pressure goes towards the lineup where would you be at on that tanner
2: I think I'm leaning towards the starting pitching just because I agree with you guys. The offense is going to be key in giving them some run support, but without Jack Flaherty and not having a guy that you know for sure you're going to get that one really good start out of, to me, there's going to be a lot of pressure on these starters to give you at least five or six innings in all these games and somewhat keep the bullpen fresh. And I understand there are two off days coming up. There's this coming Monday and then there's Thursday. I just think with the starting pitching and looking at some of these offenses, the Reds have a really good offense. I don't want to get into a slugging fest with them. I look at the Cubs. Their offense is playing well. I don't want to get into a slug fest with them. I still like Atlanta's offense, even though it's kind of underperforming. They've still got some really good pieces. I don't want to get into a slugging fest with them. I want to see the Cardinals pitching, at least the starters, give me at least five solid innings. Do what John Gant does at least. Give me five innings, give up maybe two, three runs, and then we can keep it close.
1: Uh, and bad job by me, by the way. I said that Cleveland stinks this year. Their record is good. The offense is what stinks. Yeah. Their their best hitter is Jose Ramirez. He's still fantastic, but otherwise, they, they have nothing in their lineup that really concerns you. He's the only guy in their everyday lineup that has a batting average above 255. I mean, it's it's really bad right now in, in Cleveland for their offense. Their starting pitching is outstanding, and that's where, once again— For me, it goes back to the offense. The Cardinals have to find a way to be able to put some runs on the board. They should be able to do that against Cincy. Their pitching has not been great this year. That's the one issue for or the biggest issue for them. Cleveland, though, their pitching's been great. Chicago, their bullpen has been outstanding, which is one of the biggest surprises in baseball this year. Check their hats.
0: Come on. I'm just saying, people were all talking about Gallegos. Kimbrel had
1: the same stuff i mean everybody's got it that's fine it's amazing I'm just saying Kimball's like lights out this season there have been a few uh i think Br- brandon woodruff has a couple of videos that have been posted recently about how he's going to his glove man it is plain as day like the this is happening all across baseball and guys are not even trying to hide it you've got it baseball's got to do a better job of policing wake of up stuff. rob manfred <laughs> It's about time. It is 10.50. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We'll dive into a couple of MLB quick hitters before we get to BK and Ferrario coming up next. This is
0: the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise.
1: He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner and I'm Brandon Kylie. Danny Mac will be in tomorrow on the Danny Mac show on 101 ESPN. Thank God. Get Ferrario off. Yeah. I Woo. know. We've been seeing a lot of that on the text line at 65780. Let's get into some MLB quick hitters. Tanner, what do you
2: have for us today, my man? All right. Well, we just talked about our Alex is calling out guys for touching their hats I'm and stuff. Uh, hey,
0: his hat might be dirty.
2: Manfred might be waking up, guys, because apparently yesterday MLB banned four minor league pitchers for using Ford and substance to doctor baseballs.
1: Of course, they're going for the minor leaguers. Yeah, start with the kids and work your way up. Of course, they're going with the minor leaguers. Did you guys see the story about the A's? And what they had yeah, as post game meals that for their minor leaguers—that
0: looked like what I used to get in grade school
1: lunches. So if if you're familiar with the Fire Festival, it was a couple of years ago, and I was like probably five years ago, I guess. It was this supposedly massive festival down in the Bahamas, this beautiful private island. was there, there, there a Netflix? Yeah, there was a documentary a Netflix on Netflix one, and then there was one on Hulu as well, yeah. uh, or Amazon Prime. One of the two, um, and. There was this guy that was the promoter of it, and he was was selling the heck out of it, and it was going to be amazing, right? And then all these people got down there. They thought they were going to have this VIP experience with an unbelievable weekend, and it's like FEMA tents that are out there. And the food that they're being served is basically two pieces of white bread with a slice of cheese in between.
0: Hey, that's sometimes my late-night go-to snacks. That was what the A's were apparently
1: giving their minor leaguers after
0: games. It was a burrito with like, it looked like maybe one piece of meat, a couple of peppers and just all kinds of sauce. Like there was no substance to that meal. And it was two pieces of white bread, lettuce and tomato.
1: There was no meat, no cheese. It was lettuce, tomato. It was basically an LT sandwich. I mean, it was, it was brutal. And this is, so when when Tanner tells us that they're banning four minor league pitchers for using foreign substances, it reminds me of with college football or college basketball, the NCAA will see something that like LSU does, and then they'll punish Louisiana Tech <laughs> two years yeah. later, and then Mizzou does something wrong, and of course they throw the book at Mizzou. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what it's it's like suspend the, the guys who are making like twenty thousand
0: dollars a year and barely surviving, but not the guys who are living on billions of dollars. Like, exactly.
1: Come on. That that's kind of what this reminds me of. You see something that is. Ticking you off in the majors, and then you go punish yeah. the minor leaguers for doing the same that'll, thing that the major leaguers. Are that'll
0: doing. show that major league baseball pitcher, twenty thousand dollar minor leaguer. Ah, you're out for four games.
2: Good friend of the show, Jason Stark of the Athletic reported yesterday. Apparently, the Rockies are hesitant to move on from Trevor Story.
1: Well, they should be. Huh. He's, He's the only star. He's the only player worth
2: a yeah, damn he, on their team. He, he, he coming back. Let's be honest.
1: The Rockies are a poorly managed, poorly run organization that runs itself like a mon shop. So this does not surprise me at all. They're 22 and 34. He's been hurt for the majority of the season. They are not good. Way to go, they, Dick. They're a very... they Monfort. They're, yeah. Their owner, of yeah. course. You're talking Just about. way to go.
2: I wondered what you were talking about for yeah. a second.
1: He hasn't had a great season offensively. He's been injured for the majority of the year. I don't know what they're going to do but they they are between a rock and a hard place because he is not re-signing there. They should trade him, but knowing what the Rockies do, I'm not positive that they're going to trade him. I'll be interested in what the story is come trade deadline time.
2: Unbelievable. All right, next one. Dad (laughs) Jerk! Well, we've been talking about the Cardinals looking to add depth to the starting pitching. A name that we talked about a little bit yesterday, BK on BK and Ferrario was Mad Bum. Well, it, Mad well, Bum might be heading to the IL. Okay,
1: but- The texture suggested
0: Mad no, Bum. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I guess I should have been more clear. It's good about a lefty who gives up five runs a game. <laughs> we
2: could do that, though. Mad Bum will undergo an MRI on his left shoulder day after going two innings pitch, giving up five cool. run runs, and if I'm not mistaken, gave up eight hits to start it the game. seems
0: like a perfect guy to come to the Cardinals and then the training staff say, ah, oh, well, it looks like it's going to be a positive outlook. He's going to the IL with a bruised ego—that's that's what this Ooh. is. Worst worst IL stint. Bruised ego or turf toe? Oh,
1: turf toe is awful. No, man. bruised ego. You can—you you can have to get cert. Sur- My quarterback Patrick Mahomes had to get surgery for that. Bruised ego is way worse. Wimp, way worse. Wimp. Nobody should want Madison Baumgardner on the Cardinals. Whether it was before or his, after this injury, look but
2: at his postseason sad. history.
1: Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, 2015, seven, seven years World ago. Series. Oh, yeah. You know He's What I was up. doing
0: seven years ago? I was in high school. No, you weren't even born. <laughs>
2: Come on, that's not fair. I was
1: graduating college seven years ago. Uh, it's a great time in my life. Let's get my master's degree. 2015, the Cardinals at that point had Carlos Martinez at the top of his game. Michael Wacha. John Michael Walker was incredible. John that was Lackey. the year that they had like the unbelievable run prevention, and I think that was the same season that they hit. Three hundred with runners in scoring position. One hundred games. Carlos
0: Beltran wasn't on that team. No, I was. He 20, was done with. That was twenty
1: thirteen. Yeah, that Ew.
0: it's Isn't been it, a minute. You didn't have a soup. Was that the? Was that the Jason Hayward era? I think that was 20, 20, twenty.
1: Yeah, yeah. twenty fifteen would have been Hayward because sixteen. He it was his first year with the Cubs. Same with last Yikes! Yeah, um, it's been a minute. GT's two thousand fifteen. A couple of things have changed since uh, the twenty fifteen season.
2: Yeah, like we got phones now and.
1: Okay, that happened a oh, while not, ago. Not that long that ago? That happened Sorry. a while ago. He's Tanner Hendrickson. That's Alex Frario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up on BK and Frario, we'll have Luke Korak at 1130. Keith Costas is joining the show coming up at 1230. And we will kick things off with Carlos Martinez's rough start last night. What do we make of it? We'll tell you next on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by
0: I Promise. Peloton, let's go.